Welcome to the WAN Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bryan from Telegeography. And today we're going to be talking about sourcing internet. So our guest is Mike Lloyd from Global Internet. And he is going to take us through all of the challenges and ways to overcome those challenges in buying internet from ISPs around the globe. So whether you are getting internet as part of a hybrid MPLS solution, maybe adding a second line for SD-WAN or just local breakouts for SaaS applications, or going all the way into the internet C and uh, getting rid of MPLS uh, altogether, the modern WAN increasingly includes internet in addition to or in place of those telco services. So before I start talking with Mike, I wanted to set the conversation up as I like to do with some data that we have collected at Telegeography um, that uh, speaks to all of this, right? So first from our WAN manager survey, we've asked WAN managers about their ISP selection process. And it turns out static IP addresses are the, the most important factor in choosing an ISP. But very closely behind that was the available product type. So they are um, sensitive to whether they're getting you know, fiber to the premises, um, uh, ADSL or SDSL, DOCSIS, etc. Um, what was really interesting to me, though, especially in the interviews that we did for that survey, was that for um, some providers, or for some enterprises rather, having a tier one internet provider was really crucial. It didn't show up as a key factor for most, um, but it was uh, the, the key factor for some folks who were really thinking about how their traffic was being routed. So definitely going to ask Mike about that. Um, and then we asked about internet integration into the network. So in terms of average product use across WAN sites, enterprises were running DIA at about a third of sites and business broadband at about a fifth, which is uh, still both of those less than MPLS. Of course, that's changing, right? So our data that I'm referring to aggregate 2018 and 2019 responses we fully expect the internet and broadband to grow in prominence in the WAN while MPLS is likely to shrink. Um, it's also important to note that some respondents, of course, had internet already at 100% of sites. Just those averages are brought down by those respondents who are still relying entirely on MPLS. And then finally, of course, one thing that I'm sure kind of uh, will permeate the whole conversation with Mike, um, the, the reason that people are interested in adding internet um, in many cases is price, right? So I have a whole blog series about this. Go to blog.telegeography.com uh, and you can click on my name and, and find um, this entire series. But I created a hypothetical network to price out how all MPLS networks uh, compare to various hybrid alternatives. Um, some of the updates um, uh, for, from, from this year to that series uh, deal with, with this, but the main one was um, called Wargaming uh, your, your WAN. Um, and uh, you know the, the upshot of all of that hasn't really changed uh, in the past year since, since I did that series, um, which is that uh, a few really key points emerge. One, DIA still pretty much universally cheaper than MPLS especially when you can source it without an additional access line. Two, broadband is even cheaper than DIA. This is often by orders of magnitude. 
Of course, there's different levels of service involved there. DIA comes with carrier uh, grade SLAs and and no contention and that sort of thing. Um, But no matter what you choose, internet allows you to increase bandwidth and often cut costs at the same time. So in my hypotheticals, we were often uh, doubling, tripling, even more than that, uh, the amount of available bandwidth per office uh, compared to the all MPLS option while still cutting cost, uh, your total cost of ownership, uh, annual to- TCO by 40, 50, 60% or more. Uh, so that kind of sets the stage for, for why we're thinking about internet sourcing. Um, and, and there's certainly other reasons um, from, from a networking standpoint, in addition to just uh, price and that sort of thing. So we're going to listen to Mike talk about the best practices for sourcing that internet and how to best integrate it into your WAN. So without further ado, on to the interview. My guest is Mike Lloyd from Global Internet. Uh, so, Mike, you've, you've been with us at a lot of WAN summits, um, probably on some panels that I've moderated, and I always start them uh, this way. Uh, just could you briefly tell us uh, about Global Internet and what role you play at that organization? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Greg. So at Global Internet, we source, deliver, and manage internet access anywhere in the world. Taking away the stresses from doing it yourself, we help our customers select internet that's right for them, be it mobile, broadband, or dedicated internet access. So we take full responsibility for ordering and delivery of the services. Our customers just have to work with us, and we work with all the ISPs. And once the services are delivered, we manage any day-to-day issues that arise. You can reach us 24-7 at one of our global knocks, which are in Amsterdam, Sao Paulo, and Manila. And we'll deal with the ISP in whatever time zone or language is required. Um, So today, we have around 1,400 ISPs on our books, and we have over 9,000 live services with 600-odd enterprises in a variety of sectors. Uh, We have a multi-channel model. We work directly with enterprises, also through MSPs and SIs. And in fact, our services are what sits behind many of the global carrier offers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're 100% focused on internet. Sorry, I'm I'm still going. No, no, please, (laughs) please. We're 100% focused on internet. It's all we do. Uh, Our systems, processes, and staff are internet dedicated. And in fact, this pure focus is what makes us attractive to partners, we think, because we don't compete with them. And and my role... um, my role at Global Internet is as Chief Portfolio Officer. I handle all the product management, the pricing, marketing, and procurement for the business. So I make sure we've got the right services available at the right price and that they're clear and understandable. Um, and, and since I joined, I only joined Global Internet last year in 2019. I've been building up the direct enterprise portfolio uh, that we're now calling Internet as a Service. And I'm also heavily involved in our automation work with APIs and portals being a key, key part of our customer and provider strategy. Excellent. Sounds like you're a guy who's going to have some answers. So that's great. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. All right. So, you know, the the primary target audience of, of this podcast are global multinational WAN managers, IT infrastructure managers, um, and of course, uh, the folks like you that uh, that provide services to them. So uh, let's imagine that I'm playing the role of, of, uh, of a WAN manager with maybe a few hundred, maybe even a few thousand sites around the world, and I am looking to add internet across the network. So in the past, 
I've mostly gone to my telco or maybe a couple telcos for MPLS. Um, and now I want to talk about what kind of challenges would that person face uh, for buying DIA or even broadband from a wide variety of providers. And I thought the first way to maybe break this up, because I know that's a big topic, is um, is what's so different about internet and MPLS. So if I'm used to uh, thinking about MPLS sourcing and the issues that go with, uh, with that, um, what do I uh, need to think differently um, about with uh, sourcing internet? Okay, so um, I actually spent most of my uh, fairly recent career working uh, in an MPLS environment. So, mm -hmm. uh, and having switched to, to internet, it's something I, I'm, I'm seeing firsthand. So the first challenge is deciding what you need. You know, balancing cost against performance is, is really important because in an internet world, you're gonna have a lot more choice than you did in, a, in an MPLS world. Mm -hmm. So if we start with bandwidth, not all bandwidth is equal. Dedicated internet access, DIA, is the premium internet access service. It's normally delivered on an Ethernet lease line, so you'll always get full speed access to the bandwidth purchased on the local internet, and you'll get symmetrical access as standard. Mm -hmm. Broadband, uh, broadband though, is delivered uh, normally, normally as a heavily oversubscribed service. So, and unless you're taking a pure fiber option, then the bandwidth that's going to be delivered will be unpredictable. Mm -hmm. And you'll see variances in the network performance. So speed, latency, loss, depending, are going to vary and depend on usage by others uh, in, in your area or your, or your region. So and, basically and the, the same that, kind of service we get as consumers, contended, all that sort of thing, but uh, just with yeah. maybe a few little business um, friendly kind of uh, uh, availability metrics or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you, you might actually think that, that business broadband would you know, be a big step up from consumer broadband. And, you know, and, and, it, and it may be in some areas, mm -hmm. but actually the main difference we see is actually the sort of additional features like the break fix service wrap and the IP addressing options you're, you're going, to get, going to get rather than the underlying bandwidth performance itself. And, you know, and, you know but the IP routing and the like is really important. You know, understanding you know, the availability and the costs, for example, for a slash 29 subnet or, or BGP routing mm -hmm. uh, is, is important if you need it. And not all products are going to support that. Right. Um, so you need to be careful in the choices you're making to either avoid excess cost or, 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 make, or making mistakes. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and, and likewise on the service wrap, because, um, because the market is that much broader, Internet comes with a much wider range of options than were normal from an MPLS access type. And so you, you, your break fix can be anything from a, you know, a best effort. So the provider will get around to fixing it when they've got resources and, and when they're in the area, maybe through to you, you can buy um, yeah, at significant premium, mind you, uh, a, a break fix with an eight or a four hour repair. Uh, everything is possible, really. So mm -hmm. you know, making a good choice based on what you need is 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 really key. Yeah, you, absolutely. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and and you also mentioned, I think, in your question about um, the the on-net connectivity. So understanding, for example, if your local Azure or AWS cloud is on-net to the ISP that you're you're considering can be really important to your application performance. Um, and then the final is one last gotcha with with internet products. You get get through all of that, then actually you've selected a product, you've selected a provider, but many internet types 
the actual availability, you know, can you order it? Can the provider deliver it mm. to a particular location is is unpredictable until you come to, 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 to make the actual order and place the order with the provider. Right. That was a headache that you used to, with MPLS, pass almost entirely on to your telco who had a big sourcing yeah. team to deal with all of this. So so that, that that keeps me up then, I think, for for my next question, which is about that provider mix. So again, um, if I've been on a mostly MPLS network, I, I maybe had a, a single global provider. I maybe had a few, um, you know, telcos uh, providing my MPLS around the world. But when I go into the universe of, of internet providers, there uh, we, we we have I think seven thousand something like that ISPs profiled in our, our broadband service. Um, I, I may be looking at least at dozens of potential suppliers if I have a truly global network. Um, so w- across a bunch of different countries with a bunch of different uh, smaller ISPs that maybe only operate in a few countries, what what are the key challenges there for for the WAN manager who's jumping into this internet world? Good question. So, I mean, we started with the product bit, but actually that's probably the easy bit. Mm-hmm. The hard bit is actually finding the right local internet supplier and then engaging with them you know, efficiently and effectively. So I think I mentioned this at the start, but you know, to give you an idea, you know, you've got seven thousand on you know on your radar. We're actually engaged contractually with fourteen hundred ISPs, mm-hmm. and I'm active with around about six hundred of them on a regular basis. But then I'm adding more each week as well because it's necessary to to get the right products and the right services. Um, yeah. And I don't do it for fun. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You'd rather not have to deal with uh, with fourteen hundred different companies, right? Yeah, it, 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 exactly. So I do it to make sure I get the best performing services and, and great value. Mm-hmm. And you just can't get a competitive global solution by dealing with twenty or thirty parties, let alone two or three. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, and and and, and with that, of course comes comes the challenge you know to achieve the you know the performance and the economic advantage of internet then you're going to have to deal with lots of these suppliers and at a local level which is going to be complex so you're going to have to have some kind of understanding of whether the provider is reliable and and trustworthy um without actually probably ever having done any business with them before if you're going alone yep um and which might be all right if they were all reliable and trustworthy sadly then they're not all um, you're going to have to work out how to order um, because organizations that are dealing at a domestic level are going to expect you to uh, you know, follow their standard processes, so their forms, their portals. Um, also, you're going to have to deal in local languages. Mm-hmm. You won't get by in English alone. Right, right. Yeah, and have someone yeah. in that country that, that has at least enough IT knowledge to, to know uh, what to look for, how to order, and that sort of thing, which may be a tall order for a lot of MNCs. Uh, exactly, and you know, um, you know, there isn't exactly a common standard definition of what products are called either. Mm-hmm. So you, you do know need people who oh. you've got a, a modicum of experience. I know that opinion very well. So we, we even among telcos, we send out surveys, and they're like, well, "What do you mean by this?" Right? So you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, indeed. And then, and then when you've got your order in, how are you going to know it's making progress? Because all the ISPs are going to have different processes, and of course, they're going to be in different time zones and some of them may only offer certain support in their own local time which you know which is fine when i'm going from say the uk where i am to the netherlands or germany mm-hmm. but if i'm trying to get an update on a service in new zealand that's going to be a little bit harder absolutely um and yeah and uh, you know 
you know, then when they do deliver, you know, the test and turnip process are going to be different. So how are you going to make sure you've got what you've ordered and it's working? And when it's in life, how are you going to manage it? I mean, even basic stuff like paying the bills, you know, the invoices are going to come in in a local currency. Maybe the expected contractual payment terms and dates are going to be different. Uh, you're going to have to get stuff fixed when it breaks. And, you know, so how are you going to know who to contact? Who to escalate to? Mm-hmm. Have you got people in with the right time time zone placement and with the right language skills? All of these things are going to be essential if you're going to actually run a successful internet-based solution. Yeah, you know, one really interesting comment from one of the uh, WAN managers we interviewed for our WAN manager survey a couple of years ago was that uh, when you've been used to having tens of millions of dollars of spend with the telco. Uh, you get a certain amount of attention when there's a problem, yeah. and, uh, yeah. and when you're spending a whole lot less than that with with a uh, small company, that's not nearly that kind of response, you know. So. Yeah, and and it's and it's also you, know, you may be spending tens of millions of dollars, and you may also be spending at a at a sort of site level, maybe you know thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. You you may now actually be be spending you know dozens, right? hundreds or dozens <laughs> yeah, of dollars yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So given those kind of potential, uh, you know, problems that people could run into, are there parts of the world? We are telegeography, of course, so we're always interested in how things play out differently over different geographic locations. Uh, what parts of the world do you find most difficult for Internet sourcing? Um yeah, I mean, doing this in scale, even across the US and Europe can be hard enough, but, mm-hmm. but some are a real stretch, of course. And, um, you know, we recently just shared some of our experiences um, in some blog posts of our own for, for three areas of the world that we, um, you know, we see as, as challenging. I've got some experience on and that's that's in China, mm-hmm. in Latin America and in Middle East and Africa. And, and you're getting a solution that delivers for you in each of these can be a real challenge. Yeah, for for all different reasons, right? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so uh, what 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 do you at Global Internet do to sort of make those problems go away or mitigate them for the enterprise? Okay. Well, the thing that's common to each of them is complexity. Mm. What you can do, what you can't do, who's going to help, who's going to say they will help but won't, and who or what might outright disrupt you disrupt you in your plans. Mm-hmm. And the, the common solution, things solution-wise to these, is that it's about relationships and experience with the local providers. There is nothing that substitutes for uh, having done business directly with somebody in these areas. You know, we know who we can trust, right. and importantly, in return, the ISPs know that they can trust us. You know, they know that we're going to treat them fairly. They know we're going to pay them on time, right. and yeah. they know that we're going to bring them repeat business. And and you know so, that they can actually deliver reliable internet service to some degree, right? No, exactly, yeah. exactly. We've got you know a whole raft of of data on that, and um, which you know helps us inform our decisions and decisions we help our customers make. Um. So if we if we look at maybe look at each of those areas, I mean, if we start with China, um, I mean, obviously the Chinese firewall uh, mm-hmm. potentially a big barrier, and if managed incorrectly or your approach to this is managed incorrectly, it will either result in poor or no international connectivity for your mm-hmm. sites in China. But managed appropriately, you can you can run from China internationally perfectly well. It's just how you do it. 
also china is big there's no no prizes for stating that right. um, yeah. yeah what's 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 less obvious is the amount of diversity and complexity in 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 the market there mm. um having to deal with the local isps on the ground you know for example some buildings may favor specific isps which can be a real challenge if you're trying to construct a um a resilient solution for uh, for, for an enterprise because your your choices can can be limited right also the, the sort of the size and the relaxation of the uh, you know historical constraints commercially there brings bring both opportunity and challenge so the, the relaxation has allowed many small and medium-sized ISPs to appear, and some of these offer, you know, great services and and, and definitely can offer the best you know, commercial value for money. However, hidden amongst them are, are some that are trying to make a fast buck. Of course, they're, they're looking yep. for loopholes. They're looking to exploit you, um, and you know, as and when you do get caught, and you you will get caught eventually, mm-hmm. um, you know. You, your service won't be working anymore. Um, and then Latin America, completely different. Um, yeah, we all know the great cities, Buenos Aires, Lima, Bogota, Santiago, so on. However, that's not necessarily where the business is, where mm-hmm. you're, you know, where, where enterprises need to be to run their businesses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, we know less about, or we as a, yeah. Uh, as an industry, know less about the the smaller, remoter towns where much of that economy is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the mining, agriculture, manufacturing, for example. Right. And in in Latin America, it's quite common for the internet infrastructure not to be there in the scale that's required to operate. So what you need in those circumstances is relationships with people who are prepared to build on your behalf, and right. you know, and and will trust you, and you know, know that you're you're going to you know, bring them business and you know, and pay the bills, or all, all that stuff that's necessary for them to make that investment. And can do a truck roll when somebody uh, uh, crashes yeah. into the the pole that the uh, the wires are on, <laughs> exactly. right? Yeah, uh, exactly. And, and and of course, in that um, um, language really really matters. Mm-hmm. Um, you are not going to get by in English. Right. Um, and yeah, and it also in Brazil specifically. The way the licensing um, and the laws work, you will have to have specific licensing to work with certain providers in order to get the services you're likely to need. So, um, you know, we, 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 we have that, but it's the sort of lessons you learn by um, by doing it. Right. Um, Finally, the Middle East, then, right? So uh, the Middle East. Middle East is everybody yeah. in the MPLS world is is well familiar with the key problem in the Middle East being that uh, service that costs a couple hundred dollars in Europe costs ten thousand dollars in Dubai, right? So, yeah, in, in, indeed, and, yeah. and and sadly, not all of those problems um, those go away, but but some of them can go away. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but again, you know, what might not seem possible through a, a literal reading of, 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 of regulations um, can, um, you know, can by you know, a, a pragmatic way of working and um, you know, trusted relationships with the local providers can actually you know, result in some pretty positive um, um, outcomes for mm-hmm. you know for for for, for our customers, um, and also I think I mentioned I mean I mentioned Africa as well. I mean Africa mm-hmm. is always going to be a bit bumpier than sure. the rest of the world to say to say 
um, to say the least. But again, relationships are key. Uh, we've got lots of happy customers in Africa. We've even got you know customers we're doing um, a great job for in you know places like Libya and Somalia, which is yeah. you know, a, you know, a, you know very very difficult. So it, it's yeah pretty much anything is possible with the right knowledge, right experience, right relationships. Today's episode is brought to you by the WAN Manager Digest. This exclusive subscription service is for enterprise professionals who manage large corporate networks. What it does is it bundles our most popular WAN resources into one toolbox with a single login. So here's what you get. Key findings from Telegeography's Cloud and WAN Infrastructure Report, excerpts from Telegeography's SD-WAN Research Service, Network Services Pricing Updates, analysis from our new WAN Manager Survey, and of course, field reports from the latest WAN Summit events. You can get more information about that at telegeography.com or click the link in today's show notes to learn more. One thing that I've noticed, Mike, in our WAN Manager survey, we can uh, break some of our questions out by industry, and we found some pretty significant differences in uh, internet adoption by vertical or, or uh, you know, economic segment. So, for example, uh, healthcare companies in our in our survey reported using very little internet, with an average of ninety percent of their sites still on MPLS and only six percent on DIA. So there's some verticals where there's there's a reticence for this, right? So what do you say if you approach one of these WAN managers from from an industry like that? Um, there's others that are sort of maybe more conservative or slow to adopt. Um, how do you convince them to hand their traffic off to Acme ISP operating in a few cities somewhere, um, even when maybe they have SD WAN and and maybe a, a local security solution or a cloud security solution? Um, do you have uh, something to to push them over the edge to make that change? Hmm. Um, uh, interesting, interesting question. I mean. Actually, one of our major direct enterprise customers is in the healthcare sector. Well, there you go. So you, um, you did it at least <laughs> once, right? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but naturally, some sectors and businesses are, are more cautious than others. But we, we do see this changing rapidly. And I don't think any sector is immune or can afford to, mm -hmm. to ignore what the internet and cloud is, is, is delivering. Because it, you know, it truly is revolutionary from a cost and a performance point of view the sheer scale and intensity of demand that comes from the consumer world has just changed the landscape fundamentally. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what do I mean? So, you know, in our daily lives, we all rely on the internet in a way that's, you know, more data intensive, more bandwidth hungry, more performance sensitive than most of the stuff we do at work. Especially and, and, you know, in 2020, also, right? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> oh, exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, so, you know, so public internet and cloud can deliver performance-wise, and you know the four billion-plus consumers globally create an economy of scale that is just unimaginable for business mm -hmm. alone, mm -hmm. and, and that creates an irresistible result. So, so yes, some performance challenges do remain, and certainly it brings some security challenges. But but anyone you know sitting on MPLS that thinks they don't need to pay attention to this is short-sighted. I think. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Uh, yeah. And as we've been talking about earlier in this interview, you know, the barriers to doing it 
successfully are significant. Um, and the old partners that enterprises relied on in an MPLS world may not be best placed to help in the new world. But that's, you know, that's why we exist uh, in global internet, um, to help take away those barriers and the complexity. So um, the complexity is our friend. Yeah. So, so I mean, I think that's that's really interesting because we still see in our surveys of, of WAN managers a majority of customers keeping at least some MPLS. Some of that is really mm-hmm. limited, maybe core sites, or they've lowered the port sizes. Um, is your customer set different? Are they are they adding internet for a hybrid kind of network, or do you do you have a lot of customers that are jumping all the way into the internet sea, as it were? Yeah. So. With customers that come to us direct, we do largely see those that are going for for a pure internet solution. Mm-hmm. And the trend for that's definitely increasing. In in 2020, we've had a big increase in customers approaching us uh, across many sectors, you know, manufacturing, high tech, retail, professional services and finance. We've got engagements in all of those sectors going on, on right now. Um, for the customers that come to us or that we serve through MSPs and SIs, mm. the balance is also quite strongly towards pure internet, I'd say, but but some hybrid does does appear in there. Um, we also partner with carriers, though, and, and that's where we do see the, um, and I guess naturally we see it mm-hmm. because of the, the, the history of the relationships and, and the MPLS capability. So when we're, when we're working you know, through or with a carrier, uh, then actually, yes, we would see we'd see part of the demand, but then we wouldn't be satisfying the overall solution because that would be what the, the, the carrier MPLS solution would be delivering. Right, you're you're providing them with with sourcing capabilities for their customers yeah. in that part, but you might not even have that much visibility into so what the rest of the telco network looks like. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. Exactly. All right. So in uh, the beginning here, I mentioned some some data from our women's survey about how uh, what factors were were key to um, selecting an ISP from the WAN manager perspective. And um, having a tier one provider actually isn't one of the key factors across the board. But then we, we've done some interviews, heard some folks at the WAN summit that that actually um, think that that is the most critical thing. So in other words, they're looking for a provider that could handle their traffic without many handoffs or hops between destinations, maybe even stay on that provider's uh, network uh, all the way around uh, many of their WAN sites. So if if you have a customer like that who's really sensitive to having a tier one provider, um, is that something you can accommodate, somebody looking for that kind of higher level of service, or you uh, sort of only able to work with just whatever the best um, uh, providers are in their cities, that sort of thing. Yeah, so um, maybe I'll be a little bit controversial here, but uh, a tier one internet provider, it's a term that I hear a lot. Do you believe Uh, in that term, I guess is the real question, right? (laughs) And, you know, what does it mean and what do people actually, what do people, what does it actually mean versus what do people think it means? Mm -hmm. And... You know, so a tier one is an internet provider that's delivering the backbone of the internet globally. So long distance or, or regional connectivity, if you like. And what they're not generally are scale local internet providers. Mm. So tier ones will typically have just a handful of local pops in any any in any country or region. Mm-hmm. So any locally routed traffic, and that's likely to be the majority of your traffic, is going to be taken in and out of those major pops rather than directly to source. And that's going to add latency and it's going to add cost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the ISPs that have got scale within a country 
are not normally tier one providers. Right. They're going to have great connectivity to the tier ones, but they're also going to have dense local infrastructure that's going to mean optimal local routing and that cloud services locally are, are on net. So, so for most businesses, for their sites to be connected well, that means you know, so good performing, lowest latency bandwidth, direct connections into local Azure, AWS, Google, whatever, and the right price, then you absolutely don't want to be on a tier one ISP. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, yeah. <laughs> so smart selection of your local ISP is, is key to performance. So at Global Internet, we certify our ISP providers across a range of points, which include security, network performance, and service quality. And we can provide insight at a detailed level to the connectivity, both local and global, of the ISPs. And yeah, and if your you know if your particular architecture does require you to have you know critical performance delivered for data that's being shipped largely around the globe, and then you're and you're also prepared to pay the premium, then yeah, I, then tier ones can be a good choice. But but there's other ways to do that as well. Maybe maybe better ways. Um, one of the partners we work with is, is a company called Teridian, which enables a, a global internet backbone or an internet-like backbone that you'd struggle to differentiate in performance terms from MPLS, mm-hmm. but that's something that's, uh, that's, that's internet-like. Middle mile optimization, yeah. the new frontier after SD-WAN, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Interesting. So, so ultimately, um, if, if I'm a, a WAN manager, uh, obviously depends on exactly you know what my pain points are. If inter office capability, you know, is inter office traffic is is my key concern. But that you're saying that a good ISP locally will have a, a you know a direct connection into those tier one backbone providers yeah. for the global yeah. bit. So it shouldn't really ultimately matter that much. Exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I know there's WAN managers out there who will say, no, no, that doesn't work for me. But uh, like I said, the majority in our survey aren't actually that concerned with it. So it sounds like the majority would yeah. be with that. So, so Mike, uh, we really can't have a conversation these days without talking about the, the pandemic and remote work, right? So um, here in the U.S., we're starting to open up, uh, but it's still the case that around uh, a third of workers are working from home. Presumably, most of them are using consumer broadband to connect to the WAN. Uh, and I think what is really interesting about that is those broadband connections are likely a larger capacity than they had uh, MPLS yeah. connected to their office, uh, though, of course, you know, contended, um, not coming with SLAs and whatnot. So I saw a few weeks back a survey by IBM that had indicated a majority of workers want to keep working from home at least part time after this is over. I've, I myself have been working from home part time for, for about eight years. And I imagine it's possible employers will start to like the idea of not paying as much rent in expensive downtown office space uh, or even for those large MPLS connections they haven't gotten rid of. Um, first, I'm curious, just your, your personal opinion. Uh, do you think that uh, distributed remote work will, will become more the norm uh, after the shutdowns are all lifted? Ah, great question. Um, if I could answer that one definitively, I think I'd yeah. be, um, <laughs> I think I'd be in a great place. Um, I, you know, you're absolutely right. You, you know, when when your home broadband has to deliver high definition TV, low latency gaming, and just be there always, it's just got to work, and it's got to work brilliantly. Um, it, it, you know, 
it you know, it gives you an environment that, that as we were talking earlier does just deliver for 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 what work needs um and and you know what the internet's done pretty well you know we were holding our breath in those early days thinking you know what's yeah. is it, isn't it going to work um and you know i saw some analysis from the the cto of bt over here in the uk just you know published some network data that showed that actually the daily peak from everybody that was home working and all of the furloughed people doing you know entertaining themselves during the day was around about 50 percent of the evening peak in in normal times so actually this right. you know, in absolute traffic terms just hasn't stressed the internet um, much, much much at all yeah, you know, the thing I often say is that probably the biggest constriction point for a lot of people has been just the number of devices connected to your home Wi-Fi, right? Yeah. So if you, have, yeah, you have kids who each have two or three uh, devices and now uh, you've got your phone and your laptop and what, you know, then um, if your most likely failure has been uh, the home router, you know, more than the central office, right? So. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, you know, Broadband is getting faster and faster. I'm, I'm sitting here in a very rural part of the UK in Oxfordshire, and mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on a relatively old technology. I'm you know, on a VDSL link that uh, when I last speed tested it, it was doing about 70 meg, which uh, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. five years ago I thought would have been Nirvana, but they feels a bit slow. But, yeah. um, but actually, they're, they're digging up the streets um, in the next two weeks, and I'm going to be on a 900 meg pond nice. service soon. So... Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so it, the capabilities are just increasing, increasing. But it, but also, it, it isn't just about broadband as well. So I, you know, I most of what we source actually um, is is DIA dedicated right. internet. And yep. you know, I, I, I can see. Crime. Sorry, <laughs> it's working. We're talking about working from home, and my dog just barked in the middle of this. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, so if we if, if we look at dedicated internet access, you know, for those, you know, for those kind of you know sites or you know even those homes that maybe have got super critical needs, you know, I'm I'm looking at sourcing DIA across Europe for you know, you know regularly for two to three hundred pounds for a hundred meg symmetrical service these days, wow, and, and that yeah. is going to come you know, that is going to come with the strict SLAs and the business level break fix responses right. that you were right. kind of mentioning earlier on. And, you know, so, you know, as I say, if I could be, I'd be a savant if I could predict the future, I guess. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, my, I guess my opinion here, you know, virus allowing is we will end up in a, you know, a, a new balance of a hybrid. Um, and yes, there will be much more homeworking in that mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, if that's know, the case... Yeah. Do you think this affects the way in manager? I mean, specifically, we're yeah. curious if, if we think anyone's, uh, I, I don't know, but it seems possible that, like I said, I've talked to some folks who who actually do source um, some connectivity for their executives. Do you, do you yep. ever see that becoming something that WAN manager does for their remote employees? Yeah. Um, possibly. I mean, I, I definitely think that you know, if you, as a WAN manager, you know, together with the you know the IT and our application architecture teams, have to make sure that the environment supports homeworking. You know, as a business, we decided on Thursday, the twelfth of March, we were going to take our whole company homeworking from the following day, and we did. You know, twelve hours later, 
Wow. Yeah. Everybody was working from home. Um, yeah, everybody was already set up. We had everything in place, you know, laptops, fast home internet, application and data were all cloud-based and we had multi-factor security in place that everybody was familiar with. And so, you know, right now we're, a uh, you know, we're drifting back to the to the office in some parts, which is which is nice. But we're you know close to still being a hundred percent home working business. But but you know we are missing the office, um, especially yeah, the absolutely. coffee machine. Yeah, people like uh, people like community. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. And but you know, but on the other hand, you know, I friends and associates of mine I've been chatting to over the past couple of months haven't all told such a happy story um you know many of them spent the first few weeks firefighting to get their employees up and running and even today you know what is it 10 weeks into this from 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 where i am um some businesses and institutions are only just about getting to grips with the tech and the people elements of, of of doing this well so so absolutely the WAN manager together with the you know the it and applications folks need to you know reflect on what's worked and what's not and then mm-hmm. work with the the wider business leadership to understand and decide on that future working mode um and, and, it, and it might be that yes for certain segments of the business that uh, or certain roles within the business that it becomes essential to have a, a fully assured and controlled means of, of connectivity so yes i can see the, the when managers getting getting into that Mm-hmm. And is that something Global Internet uh, could help them out with, uh, um, even though it might be uh, in some cases there's not even a quote unquote business broadband available? Yeah. Uh, some residential areas do, to my knowledge. Yeah. Uh, is that yeah. your experience? Uh, yes, uh, in, in, indeed. And, you know, so if, um, you know, I've had a couple of inquiries from, from some of my customers already about our, our appetite for this so we've got some you know, early days discussions going on right now and you know I'm, I'm considering whether and 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 what we will offer um yeah to state the obvious you know supporting end users at home is going to be quite different to to what we normally do but if the demand's there yes we have the capability to do it we can source you know sourcing business broadband gives us the the sort of the right level of relationships, the right insights to be able to source um, broadband for for people's um, homes as well. And and we're also, you know, looking at what we can do with 4G and 5G for here, because, um, you know, for a handful of our own employees who did have some broadband challenges um, as all this is going on, we were able to give them our mobile data solution. So which just mm-hmm. which gave them an alternative. It gave them a backup, uh, which meant they could be fully productive in in, the, in their working lives. Right, absolutely. So it, 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 I've even heard of some uh, MNCs that that sent at least some of their employees home with a small kind of SD WAN device yeah. um, that that could do full SD WAN functionality over your your broadband connection, even if you only have something like you know. ADSL, then also if you have LTE or maybe even 5G, um, pretty much uh, make sure you have total availability that way. So that's yep, that's an exactly. interesting new way exactly. to think about it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, this has been uh, really interesting, Mike. Any any last thoughts um, to pass on to to the WAN manager before we wrap things up? Um, I mean, anybody who isn't thinking about an internet solution and a cloud solution. For their business, mm-hmm. um, you know, needs to really does need to. Um, uh, it's you know, if we didn't have enough compelling um, needs before all of this 
COVID situation kicked Absolutely. off, I think it's yeah. it's it's obvious now that um, the you know there's an economic imperative. Um, you know, that goes that layers on top of the you know the performance imperative that's that's been there been there for some while. So anybody looking to explore that, be we'd be really really happy um, and willing to um, help them start to explore that that journey. Yeah, and in a in a plug for for my end of this uh, conversation, right, which is that uh, I've I've written a lot personally. Um, I, I mentioned this in my intro, but about just what the reality is in terms of switching away from an MPLS uh, network um, to an internet, even if it's a hybrid, um, it really is the case looking at the numbers that you can, you can save 40, 50, 60% of your total cost of ownership. So yeah, we see that in the real world. If listeners want to get in touch, uh, Mike, uh, learn more about global internet, how can they do that? Um, Well, the best place to start is our website, globalinter.net. Uh, and right. there you can find out more about what we do and you can get information on internet product availability and pricing worldwide. Um, that's freely available. Uh, and you can also request quotes direct from us there or, or indeed make contact with one of our team. Or, or you can even look me up on LinkedIn. Happy to um, happy to connect. Excellent. And and I should say, for, for uh, ever since uh, this company started, I've heard people refer to it as Global Inter since the .NET is the directory. So just to clarify, it is, it is properly called Global Internet, right? So. Yes, it, it did actually used to be called Global Inter.net. Oh, it was Global Inter. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, okay. But it, it's, it is Global Internet now, but it was Global Inter.net. And the, and the website is Global Inter.net still. Right. <laughs> Got it. All right, so Mike, we we close out every one of these episodes with with our unrelated question of the week. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you pick your question. Uh, um, you could answer what what is the first thing you plan to do when sort of public life gets all back to normal, such as that might be, or, or kind of what activity have you been missing the most, or maybe uh, what was your your favorite uh, thing about quarantine? Some some people have been actually enjoying certain aspects of of being on lockdown. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to um, the cycle racing season restarting. Uh, so my son and I had a big season of racing planned all around the UK and into Europe, but that's um, somewhat obviously been put on hold. Um, it's looking looking now like uh, racing will start at a local level in August, and the uh, the big the big races are going to be kicking off from um, September. Um, and that probably all sounds a bit wholesome. So um, the thing I'm also really looking forward to is um, actually I'm badly missing my Friday nights down at the local pub for a good wind down uh, from the working uh, week. <laughs> well, those two things balance out, right? So yeah. uh, I'm a cycling fan and I also cycle, but I also love beer. So I have to do one to counterweigh the other. You know? so, Absolutely. Yeah, but I, I too, I'm really excited for, for something, you know, so, some of the UCI kind of races to come back. We'll see. Yeah. Totally understand how once you get a cough in the Peloton, it um, can spread probably pretty rapidly. But, Indeed. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure. And, and I've learned a lot, even though I already knew a lot about you guys. So I hope that uh, our listeners have picked up quite a few things as well. Thank you. You're very welcome. All right. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening. The WAN Manager podcast is brought to you by Telegeography, a division of Primetrica Incorporated, and is edited and produced by Jane Miller. I wrote the theme song you're listening to right now, and we get administrative canine support from my dog, Honeybun, who you might hear chiming in from time to time when the mood strikes her. 
If you want to learn more about our data, head over to telegeography.com, where you can find our blog that covers many of the topics we hit here, and you can sign up for our WAN Manager newsletter. Until next time, have a great day.